Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 75 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and yeah, I just said 75. Oh my gosh, we are three quarters of the way to 100. And this episode, just like episodes one through 74, in my humble opinion, does not disappoint. We're going to be speaking to Shantae, who has experienced a number of situations new to discuss on the podcast. From a teen pregnancy to an abusive midwife, we have a lot to unpack. And I'm going to go ahead and apologize now. We start discussing homeopathy at one point, and I totally forget that the things we're saying probably make no sense to many of you listening, so I'm sorry. But that being said, go check out the resources in the show notes if you want to learn more. That's myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash episode 75, because I've been using homeopathy as one modality of care for my family for a number of years now. And it is incredible, as you will hear in this episode. But before we jump in, just a few quick notes. First thing, the application for interviewing on the podcast is back up and active. I've had a lot of people reach out over the last few months asking to be on the podcast, and this is your chance to submit your application for the upcoming batch. So head over to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash apply to fill out the application. Or if you're on the email list, you will get an email that has the link right there. It will stay open until June 7th. And I'd love for you to take a screenshot real quick of you listening to this episode and post it to your Instagram stories, tagging happy home birth podcast and use the hashtag give birth on your turf or hashtag home birther because you know, I love you. Happy home birthers. So I'd also like to thank this week's reviewer of the week, and that is Bernadette Mary. And she says, warning, this podcast has a high likelihood of increasing your desire to give birth, quote, just one more time. (laughs) I've been a doula for eight years and four of my six children were born at home. I love the encouragement, the variety of stories and the beauty, knowledge and strength shared. Keep up the wonderful show. Thank you so much, Bernadette Mary. If you will email me at Caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I will be sending you a happy home birth sticker. Okay, let's jump into the interview with Shantae. Please remember that the opinions of my guests might not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and neither one of us are medical providers, so continue to see your doctor, midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Shantae, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to hear all of your stories. I would love it if you could just start by introducing yourself to the listeners. All right. My name is Shantae Bigelow, and I have four little ones. Well, three little ones and one not so little one. (laughs) My oldest is 11, and then I have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a 10-week-old. So super new one. Yes. That's wonderful. (laughs) And so you have, you have, you had your first, you said as an 11 year old. So what was your first experience with pregnancy like? Well, the situation was a little different because I was 16 when I 
got pregnant with her and 17 when I had her. Okay. And so, um, it was, um, I did a lot of work at the time. I, I didn't really have time to focus on being pregnant. I was still in high school. I was still, um, working. I worked two jobs and went to school at the time. And, um, so yeah, I didn't really relax <laughs> a lot and just enjoy pregnancy. I don't remember a lot from the pregnancy experience other than I, I wasn't, I didn't get sick. I didn't feel, um, any kind of my one symptom of being pregnant was a positive pregnancy test and then a baby at the end of it. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. So I was, I felt great during pregnancy with her as far as I can remember, but that might be just because I was so busy. I couldn't think about it. Maybe the benefits of youth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not, wonderful. it's not really like a correct thing to say, but really that was the best time. <laughs> Because your body's just kind of ready for it, and you can do just about, I look back at myself then, and I'm like, wow, how did I do all of the things that I did? Mm -hmm. But youth. (laughs) Yes, youth. That helps a lot. There's a big difference. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, so what was that experience like emotionally then? You said that there, you didn't have a lot of symptoms, but preparing for, for your birth at 16, 17, what was that like? I I didn't do a lot of prep work just because I didn't, I didn't know anything about childbirth. I didn't know anything about babies, really. I think I had changed one diaper before that point. And there was a lot going on as far as the relationship that I was in at the time. Uh, it was not a good relationship. And um, so I, I didn't do any kind of emotional prep work or physical prep work even. I, um, had signed up for a childbirth class to attend at the hospital where I was having her. And I had her the morning of the childbirth class. So I didn't even get to do that. (laughs) Well, that's one way to learn. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I went in there and I asked for my money back and she said, yeah, it seems like you knew what you were doing. So you can have your money back. Um, So yeah, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of, of planning or really even focusing on it emotionally. I just, was so busy mm-hmm. with with life and the things that I had to do um, that I didn't really think about that. Right. Now, when you actually went into labor, what was that like? Well, I remember waking up at, uh, it was, I think, exactly three o'clock in the morning. Yes. Three o'clock in the morning to my water breaking. Mm. And thinking, oh no, this is actually really happening. Like I knew I was pregnant, but <laughs> no baby's coming and it's coming right. soon. What do I do? Um, so I, I went upstairs. I was just, it was just my mom and I living in an apartment together. And I, I woke her up and I, I remember talking to her for a little bit and she was half asleep, like totally not listening to me. <laughs> and then I said, mom, I think the baby's coming. She popped right up. was like, okay, let's, let's start moving. <laughs> Um, call the hospital. And I I remember that the um, insurance that I had at the time wanted me to go to a hospital that was about 45 minutes away Mm. from where I was living. Um, But I lived directly across the street from a hospital. Ah. And so I wanted to go to that one. (laughs) So I was calling the insurance, you know, middle of the night and they were, it, it was a 
difficult thing. In the end, I ended up just going straight across the street. Well, that's nice. And I, looking back now, I see I was in transition as oh. I walked down the four flights of stairs, drove across the street, and went up to the labor and delivery floor of the hospital. That the time that that took about 15 minutes, I was going through transition. Wow. And I got up in, and into a room and I told the nurse, I don't want an epidural. I don't want anything. But if this goes on for like 10 hours, then I might think about it. And she, I remember her telling me, oh, you're, this is your first baby. You're going to be in labor for a long time. Like totally just <laughs> disturbing me because I was already in pain and I was like a long time like longer than this what um so I I got up onto the table that they had there and she checked me and said whoa you're gonna have this baby now <laughs> and <what> I thought <laughs> yeah ran to the next room got just random midwife who was there and brought her in and yeah she came out pretty quick I think I, I pushed just a couple times wow. for her and, and she was out. And so from beginning to end, the labor was about three and a half hours. On With your first baby? Yes. Gosh. And I was thinking, that's not all that bad. I remember hearing a woman in the next room over just screaming. And she was, you know, having her baby in there. And I was thinking, it's not really that bad. <laughs> You can calm down, woman. Yeah, chill out. Goodness, for real. But yeah, so it was a very quick experience. And um, my experience with the hospital was not terrible. Right. But I was young. And I think that a lot of the people there realized that. And so they told me a lot of things that I needed to do mm. that I didn't really need to do. Mm, okay. Like, um, you, you're not producing any milk, so don't nurse the baby. You need to pump and buy the $13 a bottle breast milk that we have here. Oh, my um, word. And just things like that. You need to, the baby needs to have these shots before leaving the hospital. The baby, uh, there was no asking me anything, and I didn't know any better. And so I just agreed to everything that they told me that I needed because, right. of course, they're the professionals. They know better than I do. Um, I ended up needing to stay for three days because I had not done my group B strep test. Mm. And so they kept me there for three days. And yeah, it was a lot of being told what I needed to do and where to go and what to do and all that. Right. Um, but the experience in general was not terrible. Yeah. And it's nice that you got there right as you were having the baby to, yeah. to avoid it. <laughs> Yeah, they told me if I would have gone to the other hospital, I would have had her in the car. Yeah. Oh, well, that would have been an interesting story as well. Interesting first baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, gosh, what what a great experience, at, at least birth-wise, with your first. So you had a, a gap in between six, about six years, you said? Yeah, six and a half years. And in that time, I uh, finished high school and went to college and yeah, had my own little apartment and then I met my husband <laughs> and we got married and I think it was about a year after we got married that I got pregnant with my second. Very nice okay. and so what was that pregnancy like? That was uh, the 
it was pretty bad. <laughs> so for the first, I think it was 17 weeks, I was so sick, I thought I was going to die. Oh, I, I had never been that sick before. I just never got sick in general, like even colds and things like that. Uh, I know now that it was a pretty typical morning sickness time there, but I had never experienced anything like that. And so I thought I was dying. I became pretty depressed and just thought, I'm not going to make it. I'm mm. just going to die. But then after 17 weeks, I felt great. Everything That's... got better. And I was fine. I made it. Did not <laughs> after die. the first half, I... <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, it wasn't that bad. Now, having experienced more pregnancy, mm. it, it really wasn't that bad. I just had never experienced that kind of sick before. Right. And so your birthing choices after, you know, six years, did you, had you decided to do anything differently this time? Yes. So I knew I was geared more toward um, just natural options. Mm -hmm. And my sister-in-law had actually had a home birth with her first and second. Okay. And so that's the first that I had ever heard of about home birth. And my, my husband thought, that sounds great. You know, that's a good idea. And I thought so too. And we had support from family. Um, my mother-in-law in particular, she was pretty supportive. She thought that was pretty neat. Um, and so, yeah, we just decided let's give it a try. I have such quick, of course, I generalized at the time. I have such quick labors that right. <laughs> this is, I don't even know if we'll make it to the hospital. It'll be great. So, um, yeah, that's how we heard about it and then decided that that was something that we wanted to try out. And then just asked, we asked our chiropractor actually um, if he had any recommendations because he and his, his wife had considered home birth. She ended up having other complications that didn't allow for that, but um, she still had recommendations for, for us. And so that's how we found our midwife. Okay. And what was that like meeting your midwife and going through pregnancy in that way? Um, it was definitely different than my experience before. Um, I just had very quick meetings with the doctor on staff at the time, and then she would, you know, shoo me out of there. But with the midwife, she took a lot of time and she talked to me. She answered all of my questions. Um, because I felt so sick, I was constantly texting her <laughs> and, and calling her like, am I okay? Is this a problem? Am I going to die? Um, and she just kept reassuring me. She was very patient with me. Uh, truly, it was, I was a lot to handle that first go around. <laughs> um, and she was just very sweet. And she is the type of uh, personality that will answer all of your questions before you even ask them because she just likes to be thorough. And she was such a, a perfect fit for me because I have so many questions and I like to know what and why and how is this working and what's going on mm -hmm. and so yeah she really helped to ease my fears and to just give me some peace as I was going through that well that's amazing and so since you know you you have fast births was this second birth like the first was it quick like that not at all oh no so it was um 25 hours whoa like, okay so you really flipped those around <laughs> for real yeah 
it was not nice. <laughs> Twenty five hours of of hard labor. Yeah. Like hard what labor. was what happened? Um, I think he was. I think it's posterior, right? Mm, the yeah. the not good, not bad <laughs> position. Whatever's not good. He was up. Yes, that was him. And so, yeah, he's still a stinker, but that was <laughs> especially not nice. And um, yeah, so it it was just long and very hard. And I remember just uh, there was a lot of praying going on. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> so, like, that's all you can do. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, I can do it. So, yeah, it, that was rough. Um, and I had intended to have a water birth with him. So we had the tub all set up and everything um, in our room. But as I got into the pushing stage with him, I started bleeding. Hmm. The midwife noticed blood. And it, it turns out that it was not, like for me, it was a typical amount of blood loss. Uh, but it was more than what was typical for her to see. Okay. And so she had me get out of the tub and we actually did it on my back, pushing when she told me to um, mm. on the bed. And so um, he actually had a shoulder dystocia. Wow. Uh, it, it wasn't terrible. I didn't even realize that it was happening until afterwards. Um, so yeah, he was a shoulder dystocia. She just reached in and kind of popped his shoulders out. Oh, wow. So but, was, he, was he actually born posterior too, or did he kind of switch or flip around on his own and before I think he, he was born? He flipped around. Gotcha. Yeah. And so um, the midwife said he was taking so long to come out because his head kept bumping against my pubic bone. Mm. So she she reached and again i didn't feel any of this i didn't know any of it happened until afterwards she reached in and lifted my pubic bone oh and my his head came out wow and then his shoulders got stuck and so she reached in and popped his shoulders <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna have to keep on lifting this pubic yeah. bone <laughs> yeah and then he um he came out and it was it was fine yeah, and not excessive bleeding. I didn't hemorrhage or anything like that. It was just, it looked like a lot, especially in the water. Right. The water so, definitely confuses things. Yeah. And so, yeah, that I, because I was not expecting such a long and hard labor, it, it, the midwife said it was a totally typical labor. Mm -hmm. um, but because I wasn't expecting it, I saw it as very upsetting. Uh, and, and traumatizing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you had way. this idea of what it was going to be because it had already been that way before. Yes. So what I learned from, from that is that you can't just not prepare and have an expectation of what it's going to be like just based off of past experiences because every birth is going to be different. Yes. That's a great um, point. Yeah. And so it, it took me a little while. I was like, people do this all the time, over and over. Why? Oh, that hurt. <laughs> Those darn posterior. Yes. But the great thing is, I have this tendency to forget all about all of the pain. Mm -hmm. Like, completely forget about it. And I, <laughs> within a year, I'm like, yeah, I could do that again. That was not that bad. <laughs> it was uh, fine. Yeah, it was easy. 
who cares yeah so, so is that what happened was it i i'm trying to remember the spacing was it pretty shortly after that that you were pregnant with your third yeah so i had her her in 2017 and my son in 2015 so yeah about a little over two years gotcha the two of them Hey there, happy home birthers. I just want to interrupt really quickly and let you know that today's podcast episode is sponsored by Happy Home Birth Academy, which is the new and premier childbirth education program specifically for home birth mothers tailored to your needs to help you have a peaceful, empowered home birth. So go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash HHA to learn more. I am so excited to see you inside the course. Well, so, okay. So you had, you had a birth that was long and stressful, but did you feel supported during that? I mean, overall, yeah, yeah, that experience was a good one. Yes. Very good. And the midwives were just wonderful. Oh, that's great. And so at that point, were you pretty convinced that you were going to have a home birth again with your next? Yes. So what was that like? So with my third, um, I got pregnant with her and I was a little concerned because I was so sick at the beginning with my, with my son. And um, I, I got a little bit sick with her, but I actually felt the best during that pregnancy I would get up in the morning and walk a couple miles and then I would you know go hiking and I just felt a lot of energy and a lot of just strength in my body Mm. um which was very different from with my son I felt like I just needed to lay around I gained so much weight because I was just laying around and felt like I couldn't do a lot Mm. and with her I just felt very active and energized and ready for anything it's so interesting how different each pregnancy can be just, just like labor, you know, yeah. pregnancy just has its own feel. Yeah. And so I, I did do birth prep this time and I, uh, I had taken a childbirth class with the, at the midwife's office and just mentally prepared myself for a longer labor mm-hmm. and looked into, you know, comfort techniques, things that I could do, things that I could do to um, just support myself. Right. And so I took it a lot more seriously. I feel like with her, that was the first time that I really took it seriously mm-hmm. and thought good births don't just happen. Um, I, I need to prepare mentally and I need to prepare physically and uh, be ready for whatever may come. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I did. And my, so I could talk here about what I did to try to kind of help speed things along. <laughs> Please give all us, right. I know all the listeners are like, yes, give the details. <laughs> yes. So I, starting at the second trimester, I started with the red raspberry leaf tea, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And then come the third trimester, actually, no, it was starting at 37 weeks. I started drinking a quart of it a day. Mm -hmm. And then I would eat two date bars a day because I didn't want to have too much sugar. Right. Um, So I just ate two date bars a day. And then I I did my normal walking. I never did. And I still don't because I don't like it. Do any really heavy, strenuous exercise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just not something that I enjoy, but I do a lot of walking 
and um, lighter exercise, carrying the baby around, things like that to just move my body. Right. Um, so I believe that that helped as well. And so it was really dates and red raspberry leaves. And then I added something with my, with my most recent pregnancy that I'll, I'll talk about in a minute. Awesome. Um, yep. Those are, those are great recommendations. Yeah. And so I did that faithfully. And when I went into labor with her, the, the labor from when I woke up with the first contraction and thought, Hey, that's a little uncomfortable to actually having her was an hour and 20 minutes. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So she was super fast. <laughs> wow. And yeah. the, the midwife hadn't, hadn't arrived yet. Mm. <laughs> and so it was just my, I was standing in the shower thinking, wow, I feel a lot of pressure down there and mm. like things are moving very quickly. And then I felt the urge to push. <laughs> very and, Yeah. And I looked at my husband and I said, I think I need to push. This is wild. Like we were laughing. I was actually laughing. It never got to the point where it hurt so much that I couldn't talk through contractions or like it was not painless, Mm -hmm. but just uncomfortable, you know? And so I was like, no way, this is early labor. There's no possible way I could need to push right now. And so the next time I felt that urge, I didn't push and I looked down at my tummy and it was just push. It was pushing for me. Oh, like, wow. I couldn't not push that fetal ejection mm-hmm. reflex was in full swing. <laughs> and I was, I told him I can not push, but she's coming out anyways. Right. So, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So he said, okay, do I have time to run upstairs? Cause we were in the basement. Do I have time to run upstairs and unlock the door so people can come in? Yep. So he did that. And by the time he came down, her head was starting to come out. And uh, he just caught her. I was standing in the shower and he calmly grabbed the towel and just kind of led her out. And yeah. Wow. So and then we just sat there in shock. I was still in the shower. Like, I cannot believe that that just happened. <laughs> she just, How yeah. is this here? Yeah. And so here I'll backtrack a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, talk about how I got with the same midwife and she, during this pregnancy with, with my third Mm -hmm. and um, she was still great, still wonderful. Love her. And she had an assistant who was working with her at the time who was also at my, my son's birth, but she wasn't the main person who was there. Right. Um, She was just there observing. She was a student midwife at the time, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so um, we never really, clicked as far as personality is concerned I'd never felt like you know outside of this setting I would be this person's friend right or um even really want to spend a whole lot of time with her you know she just kind of had an off-putting feeling to her energy if you will that it was just it made me uncomfortable Mm. um I didn't know what it was about her but just not my favorite person but okay you can be there (laughs) <laughs> right. Just don't be the person I have to talk to. Um, <laughs> you can watch. Yeah, just watch over there. So um, during this pregnancy, most of my care was done by my <clears throat> my main midwife. I'll just refer to her as the main midwife. Okay. Um, and that was, you know, great. But then at the very end, she needed to have a surgery. The end of my pregnancy, 
my mid main midwife had to have a surgery. Wow. And so I fell into the care, full care of the one that I didn't really click with. Mm. And so, okay, all right, I've known her for a couple years and through my last pregnancy, so I guess I can can do that. But she, um, again, I never felt very comfortable. And then she didn't take my questions or my feelings or the things that I brought up, it, it seems, as seriously as mm -hmm. the other midwife did. Um, she was kind of always looking looking on with this heavy-lidded, like almost judgmental look, <laughs> you know, like these, your questions are dumb and she never said that, but you felt like your questions were dumb. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that was just the general feeling that I, I got from her, Ugh. but I thought, That's okay, so hard. yeah, okay. I can deal with it, tolerate it. My husband's here, you know, it's not like I'm all by myself with this lady. And, um, she had another assistant who was going to come to the birth. So it was going to be her and, and another lady who was working there. And so um, I had had my daughter, I was sitting there. So now I'm jumping back to the to the birth. Okay. And so we're just sitting there, happy, smiling, like, oh my goodness, this is so great. You know, all of those hormones that come right after baby comes out, it's the best feeling in the world. Mm -hmm. Like, this is why I keep having babies. So I can <sighs> feel that just hormone rush. It's so wonderful. It's addictive. Um, <clears throat> so we're sitting there in the shower, the, the water's off and, um, she comes in about five minutes after, uh, my, my daughter was born and just has already, you can see an attitude Oh. and, uh, you know, the, like that heavy lidded look, like I said before, just like totally irritated with you. And she says, well, I've never missed a birth before. And I was well, like, I actually have. <laughs> sorry, now. like, oopsies, I didn't do that on purpose, but you know, sorry to ruin your streak. Mm -hmm. Um, and then she says, "Well, you can't deliver a placenta sitting in the shower, so are you gonna move to the bed?" And I thought, "Yeah, okay, you know." But all of this with just like she's irritated with me that I have right. this baby. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, okay, I, I go over to the bed, and she just very, her bedside manner was really bad, and so it was just very impersonal, impersonally going through the motions, she's checking me, she's checking the baby, she's, you know, just doing what she has to do, and um, yeah, I was, I was just laying there and enjoying my baby. Long story short, I had a piece of uh, membrane placenta membrane that had been retained mm. and i bled a lot oh man and the the thing is that that membrane was visible mm. like she saw it but didn't do anything about it and also didn't tell me anything about it I mean, and it was a smaller smaller membrane and everything else was out uh-huh um but she um she kind of went against the main midwife and, and kind of how she tends to do things. And her personal philosophy is that, um, you know, no, no intervention almost to the extreme of if something is happening, the body is going to take care of itself. But okay. if we, we had a situation there where the body was not 
right pulling that out I didn't even know it was there I can't see down there right you know um but she knew it was there and once it was removed the bleeding stopped um but it took her three or four hours I think before she removed it Uh, my husband said he was he saw it and he wanted to say something but he didn't want to worry me and so he didn't know what to do and he was kind of waiting for her to do something about it but during this time I just bled and bled and bled oh man and um it was pretty bad and she and then she starts telling me well you have to go to the bathroom you need to go to the bathroom otherwise we're going to transfer you. And you need to stop bleeding. Otherwise, we're going to transfer you. Like, she was threatening me hmm. um, with transfer. Without taking out the piece of membrane yeah. that she created. And, and, and it was really like a threat, like, as if I could do anything about it. Like, you have to stop bleeding or you're going to be transferred. <laughs> okay. Body, you stop. Start obeying. Hey, that's not working. Yeah. Start obeying. Yeah. And so she was upset with me. It was like she was upset with me for bleeding. Um. And she told me, um, okay, sit up. You need to go to the bathroom to, to try to pee so that maybe that will help because your uterus is all boggy. Well, of course it was. It's a membrane there. <laughs> um, but um, I sat up and immediately I almost fainted. Oh, boy. My blood pressure dropped crazy low. And I couldn't even speak. Like, I just fell back onto the bed. and like had to catch my breath and come back in. Like I got tunnel vision and just blacked out. Oh my word. And again, I thought I was dying. I didn't know what, I'd never experienced that before, you know? Um, And the whole time, again, she's just standing there looking at me with a look of irritation. Like really, you're passing out on me here. And um, so finally, you know, after a couple hours, and then she's monitoring me and threatening me, and so it's it's really interrupting that kind of bonding time with baby. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, she removes that piece. I I didn't hear about any of this. I didn't I didn't know until way after when my husband told me that there was even a piece of membrane there. So she didn't even tell me that that uh, there, she, or that yeah. she had removed it or anything. Oh and wow! So, um, the bleeding started started to stop and she told me okay you need to try to go to the bathroom again and um I thought you know I can't even sit up how am I going to get it to the bathroom well you're going to have to figure it out you need to get up and go to the bathroom you can crawl to the bathroom if you need to and so she got me out of bed and onto the floor and had me crawl to the bathroom and I was like passing out as I crawled, I had to keep stopping because I started to, you know, just fade again. Um, be lifted onto the toilet, could not pee, and so I had to crawl back. And every time I paused, like I was, I felt like I was getting faint. She would just talk to me in a really condescending way, like, "What's going on right now? What are you feeling right now? What are you like? What?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so just being. It was, it was humiliating, especially right. that crawling to the bathroom. Like, I know some people choose to do that after giving birth. If they feel like they can't walk, they'll, they'll crawl. But she told me, like, I had to. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm going to be transferred. And then it was, it was just embarrassing. How these people watching me 
just pass out and crawl. Yeah, my heart breaks hearing this. This is just inhumane. Yeah, it, it really was. And I didn't realize it at the time because she made it seem like, well, this is normal. People do this all the time. People, I, people crawl to the bathroom all the time. I make people crawl to the bathroom all yeah. the time. It's and normal. I, and, th- and she said that people do that all the time. And I was like, that's bizarre, but okay. <laughs> I, I guess. Like, I have not, I'm yet to be in yeah. a birth where somebody crawled to the bathroom, but yeah, unless it was, unless it was their choice. Like my, sure. my maid midwife said she did after her, her baby, because she, um, she had lost a lot of blood and she realized that and but she still wanted to get up and go mm-hmm. but she, they had given her the option right but you know stay in bed or or get up um so anyways i couldn't pee she ended up like catheterizing me so and, she makes you crawl to the bathroom when you're passing out but couldn't have just catheterized you beforehand oh my word yeah and so yeah i i get back into bed and so they were there my the birth took about an hour and 20 minutes and it was wonderful Mm -hmm. uh after birth time they were there for seven hours whoa and i was bleeding and your shockiness yes and i was just i felt awful Mm. i could not so kind of moving on from that i was i couldn't go to the bathroom or walk to the bathroom for a week without being carried by my husband for the most part, um, I couldn't move. I I experienced postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety for the first time. Oh man! Um, it was a very very difficult postpartum experience. I can imagine. It and sounds then, like you lost so, like it sounds like you lost a good amount of blood. Yes, and I talked to my midwife afterwards. Um, as I was uh, probably about a year later. I, I met with her and I, I talked to the main midwife and um, she said that the the woman had lied on my charts. She said, I did not lose as much blood, that much blood. Mm. Um, she didn't say anything about retained membranes or anything like that. Um, all my charts were incomplete, all of just badly done. Mm-hmm. And my midwife said, it sounds like you lost a lot more than she wrote down here, but even with what she wrote down here, I would have transferred you to the hospital. Wow. Because you, you needed something. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was pretty bad. And that there, there was a lot of kind of undercurrent going on there with, with that midwife. She ended up right after my birth, somebody else had a very similar experience with her. <sighs> in the practice and then she left the practice tried to steal a bunch of our midwife's um clients and start her own practice wow and so she just was not was not in it for us for the ladies she mm. was she was kind of in it for herself and um yeah it, it just not not a good person for this type of work that, yeah, yeah, I'll say that is so heartbreaking to think you had such a beautiful experience. And then right after that had to just kind of deal with all of this abuse that really led to 
postpartum depression. I mean, losing yeah. that much blood, having two kids that you're also taking care of at this time, you know, that, that loss of blood, especially when it's like, that was not necessary and something should have been yeah. done about that. That is so upsetting. And I, oh gosh, I am so sorry to hear that experience. Yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. And I, um, our bedroom was downstairs at the time and it brought on this feeling. It ended up being an anxiety issue for me, even during my next pregnancy, something I had to work through feeling trapped. Like I was stuck. I couldn't move. I couldn't leave the basement. I couldn't climb the stairs. Mm. Um, and so I felt like I was trapped in my, what was lovely. Now it's dungeony basement. Right. You know, when you can't leave. Mm-hmm. Um, struggling with depression, not being able to walk or move, feeling like your organs are going to fall out, you know, and then dealing with all of the postpartum stuff, the constipation, just things like that, that nobody talks about, um, that end up being really uncomfortable. I felt like I was just trapped dealing with that. And then she had to be the one who came back and do the, the check-ins Ugh. with me. Um, and so I would communicate with her about, um, you know, I'm passing these blood clots, but she refused to tell me what they were or why I should be concerned. She just, just, oh, tell me if that happens again, that could be bad. <laughs> wouldn't tell me why. Okay. You know, things like that, that just, it, I was so deeply disturbed mm. after, after my experience with her. I can imagine. I, yeah. I mean, what a nightmare. Did yeah. you, so I, I know you had said that your, your next birth was, your children are pretty close together, your last three. Yeah. So when you went into this final or this most recent uh, pregnancy, were you already kind of trying to process through that or did more of that work happen during the actual pregnancy? It happened during the actual pregnancy because I didn't realize just how upset I was mm. and just how disturbing that was um until I started like um our bedroom still in the basement I would go down there and I started having panic attacks and um just kind of freaking out and now um I'm gonna throw this in there right after having that traumatic experience with my third I was looking for help just on the internet looking for things that I could do for the depression and um I, I discovered homeopathy. Yes, girl. Yes. <laughs> I love and homeopathy. So, yes. I actually was reading an email somebody was uh, somebody I was subscribed to sent out about um, homeopathy for animals. But then her uh, email linked over to a website. The, the person's name is Joette Calabrese. She has a really great website for people who are trying to just just trying to learn and become more independent in their care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And she's just a wonderful teacher. And so I got hooked and I started reading all of her stuff and learning so much about, um, about homeopathy. And, Oh, I forgot where I was going with that. It, did you use that to kind of heal your? Yes. Huh? Okay. That's, that's where I was going. So uh, over that, that year, or so after I had her and then leading into this most recent pregnancy, I went all in 
with homeopathy. I was taking classes, I'm studying, I'm, you know, joining study groups and things like that. I just want to know how to use this because it had, it had worked so well for me mm -hmm. in uh, eliminating the depression and the anxiety that I was struggling with. Did you, this, I, this, maybe you didn't, but did, do you remember what remedy you used? Uh, for anxiety, uh -huh. I used Ignatia 200 <laughs> and I, I took it twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening. And then at the same time, I know there's different, differing philosophies of how much you should take at, right. at one time, but I took two remedies at the same time and I took Ignatia 200 and Sepia 200. Okay. So I wondered, I wondered specifically because I struggled with some postpartum anxiety and, and depression after my first daughter and Ignatia is what turned my world around. Yes. It's so wonderful. Everybody go buy Ignatia. Yeah. And just it's grief. It yeah. It's, yeah. For, you know, it's for grief and it, it just, I mean, I, I remember like the fog lifted when I finally, you know, I was working with a homeopath and, and she was like, I just think that Ignatia is what you need. And I took one dose and all of a sudden I was like, yes. I'm a human again. Oh my word. It's so wonderful. It's such a, such a great medicine and it's so mm -hmm. much fun to learn. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I just dove into it because I'm like, here's something that I can do that I think is fun. That is great. It's exercising my mind to learn. Mm -hmm. There's so much science in it mm -hmm. and it helps my family. That's and awesome. I, that's really what I use now to treat illnesses, things that come up. It's, it's homeopathy. And I've uh, learned enough to be able to, to treat my family pretty well. That's so cool. Well, so, I'll be sure to contact you whenever I'm unsure of something. Yes. <laughs> Sunday, heal us. I love it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was in this homeopathy study group at the time and we were meeting on zoom and, um, I was talking to the, to the ladies in this group and talking about, oh, I've been having these panic attacks when I go downstairs and I, I don't like that. And they said, well, did you experience trauma downstairs that could be possibly popping up and, and causing you to feel anxious? And that's when it hit me that, yes, that's exactly what had happened. And so being a part of that group and just talking with the ladies there really kind of clued me in to, hey, yeah, there is some processing that needs to happen. And I, I did feel very traumatized from that experience. And that might be why I'm, I'm just kind of suddenly having these panic attacks down here in the same space where, you know, all that stuff happened. Um, and so, yeah, I, I ended up during pregnancy using a lot of homeopathy. I started actually meeting with a homeopath, a professional homeopath, just because sometimes you're overwhelmed and you don't want to try to figure it out yourself and you need yep. somebody who really extra knows what they're talking about right. <laughs> to help you out. Um, and so my homeopath really did change my life during pregnancy and then meeting with a really great uh, counselor, therapist um, who specialized in birth trauma. Oh, that's, and, that's priceless. That's great. Yeah, prenatal. And I think the word is perinatal. Mm -hmm. um, mood disorders. And mm -hmm. so she actually did um, appointments where she'd come to my house. Wow. And we had our appointments here. So I didn't have to lug everybody out of the house. It was just wonderful. That I is lovely. And feel very supported by that community. 
by um by the therapist and by my homeopath they both work with me and let me stay home and do appointments with them and, and things like that um that just really helped me to heal and to process that's wonderful. so yeah that was that was great during this most recent pregnancy Oh, that's, that is fantastic. So when you were kind of arriving at your labor time, well, actually I want to ask, so did you end up this with this most recent birth? Did you use your same midwife, the, the one that had had to have the surgery? Yes. Okay. And she so said, were... never again, am I going to have a surgery when I have ladies <laughs> who are about to deliver? <laughs> like I'm going to be there and I'm going to, cause she felt terrible, you know? These are her clients who she's had a been building relationships with. Hi, sweet baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be hard for her. I mean, to have to to leave, even if if she's leaving you in the hands of the best midwife, I'm sure that would have been hard. But yeah, to then later have to hear, you know, actually the situation was really really rough. I'm sure that was very upsetting. Yeah, and um. And she had also brought on another new midwife to replace the one who just got up and left. <laughs> and, um, and that midwife is wonderful as well. Oh, good. So I just had two great ladies mm. supporting me all through pregnancy. That's and wonderful. I had a great, I just felt so much community. And I felt like my husband and I both learned you know, from the past experience, we both learned to advocate for one another. Like, if if you see something isn't right, or you see that my care isn't going well, or if I see that your care isn't going well, whatever the situation may be, speak up and right. advocate for the other. So we both learned learned that from from that experience. Um, and so I just I felt very. I don't know if empowered is the correct word to use, but um, strong mm -hmm. going into um, birth with my youngest because I I really educated myself even more so than I did with my third. Oh, that's great. And I made sure that things were being done on my terms and the way that I wanted them to be done. And I want this intervention and I don't want this intervention you know what I mean yeah just being absolutely. able to say like if you I didn't want to use um if I didn't want a certain intervention I could tell my midwife what I wanted to do instead and talk freely about it and plan for that rather than just feeling like things were happening to me that yes oh okay. that's perfect that makes so much sense and that I, that is, I love that sense of empowerment and the recognition that you are in charge of this, you know, yeah. not letting someone else take the reins. This is you, you are, you are in charge and these people are here to help you in that. Yeah. Well, so what was that labor like? So, um, to prep for this labor, I again did, well, actually, no, I did not do dates okay. this time because I had, this pregnancy was definitely the hardest. Oh. And I had developed some pretty extreme um, food issues and allergies and um, issues with um, 
carbs and sugar and things like that, even just a little bit would make me so sick. Oh, wow. And so I couldn't even have a date bar mm. uh, without getting sick. And so I skipped that and just did red raspberry leaf tea and then um, a homeopathy pregnancy protocol. Okay. That, that, um, that homeopath that I mentioned earlier um, recommends on her website. Cool. And it was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And it helped was, a lot. Was this the cell salts or was it? Yeah, it was the cell salt, cell salt protocol that she has. And she has, um, you know, take, it changes every month. So take mm -hmm. these ones during one, month one and two and three. And um, We'll definitely link to this. If, if you can send me the information, I'd love to. Yeah, keep she spells it out and it's, it's great. That's awesome. Um, and then. So that's the the prep work that I I did physically, and then I made a bunch of. Um, hold on, let me let me see. I think I have them here. Remedy lists. Okay, I was losing the word that I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Remedy lists. So I had symptoms for whatever something that could come up during labor or during the postpartum time. Mm -hmm. I have listed out symptoms the remedy that you use, the potency, the frequency that you would use it. And so I was just totally prepared. Wow. For anything that could come up, you know, long labor, stalled labor, uh, retained placenta, anything like that. I had my remedies in stock and I was just ready to go. Okay. And so I felt a lot more prepared in really every way <laughs> with, mm -hmm. with this one. Um, and so yeah, when I went into labor with her the day before, I had like a 24-hour flu. Oh, no. Which I suspect wasn't actually the flu. I'm wondering if that was like some kind of weird pre-labor, I don't know what. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I never got a fever or anything. I just felt like I had a crazy flu and I was in bed all day long oh, man. Um, and couldn't get out of bed. And my, I was having contractions and I was getting like, oh no, I don't want to have the flu and then have a baby right as I have the flu. Right. And um, so I was sick all day long. And then at um, midnight, I woke up and I thought, wow, that flu is completely gone. Like, I don't feel it at all. I feel great now. And immediately contractions started. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, the, you gave the okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I feel great. Come on, labor. And so, um, yeah, that I I called the midwife, and I didn't know if it was true labor or because it was a week early, earlier than my estimated due date. Gotcha. And usually, I I've had my babies right on the day. Okay. Um, and so that's what I was expecting. Again, don't expect anything just go with the flow <laughs> bring a beginner's mind yes bring a beginner's mind that was a great one yes I love that um and so um yeah I, I called the midwife I said I'm not sure I'm actually in labor and she lives right around the corner from me so okay I'll come over in a little bit and, and she did and we just kind of sat around I could tell after a while that early labor was starting my contractions were, were getting a little bit closer together um again just to shorten it down my contractions never got closer than like three to five minutes apart 
Mm. I never went through a transition time. And so I didn't realize I was so close to giving birth. Ah. <laughs> again, I just, I was in the shower again and I was like, wow, I'm feeling a little bit of pressure. And the midwife said, can we not have another shower baby? Like you mind coming out <laughs> and uh, let's, let's just come over here and uh, closer to the bed. And I said, you know, these, these contractions are still pretty far apart. And I was talking just fine, just talking through it. And um, is there anything I could do to speed things up? And they said, well, you could try a different position. You could, you know, kneel on the floor next to the bed, just whatever you want to do, whatever you feel comfortable doing. And so I, I knelt down next to the bed and I think she was born within five minutes. Wow. Of doing that. <laughs> so, yeah. up. She was very quick. And so that labor was two, about two and a half hours. Man, that's amazing. You have, I mean, you know, one of your labors makes your average pretty different, but right. <laughs> four, gosh, very short labors. Yeah. And so I, I, I think youth helped with the first one being short and then, um, and all just the, the work and the exercise I was doing at that time, because I just out of necessity, I was walking a couple miles a day and all that. Right. Um, and then, yeah, the red raspberry leaf tea dates and homeopathy really helped, I believe with the, with the other two. Yeah. I'm going to, to put links to all of these different things because there are some articles you guys can read. Um, we'll put a link to that homeopathy page for the cell salts because that is really cool. Um, gosh, Shantae, thank you so much for sharing all of this. This is so wonderful. I want to know, do you feel was your most recent birth, you know, was that able to kind of help you overcome your, your previous trauma? Yes, it was such it really was a healing experience because like I said, I just felt so um, supported by my family and by my midwives and by just the health providers that I was, you know, um, bringing around myself to, to help me out um, in, in that processing. And yeah, it was really a healing experience and, um, gave me a lot more confidence and I I was afraid of bleeding a lot after uh, that was my my one big fear was was bleeding again because of how scary the postpartum experience was right um but with with my most recent one she said that my blood loss was actually below average wow and that I, I healed so quickly mm. and it was just amazing it was such a great postpartum experience. Oh, I am so glad to hear that. You certainly deserved it after having not a great one. You, you really deserve that. I'm so glad that it's going well for you. And it was such a joy to talk to you today, Shantae. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Yes. Thank you for having me. What an amazing set of stories. As we head into the episode roundup, I have a few topics I'd like to discuss. So the first thing I want to mention is just the quick little reminder that each and every pregnancy and labor and heck baby is different. Shantae learned this when she went from a three and a half hour first time labor to a 25 hour long labor with a posterior baby the second time around. I loved when she said good births don't just happen. 
I need to prepare mentally and I need to prepare physically and be ready for whatever may come. Such sound advice. The second thing I want to discuss, I love how Shantae added to her preparation routine as she continued having babies. From red raspberry leaf tea to date to delving fully into the world of homeopathy, Shantae continued to learn and add methods of preparation to her routine. And even more significant, Shantae spent time truly coming to terms with a traumatic birth situation and postpartum. She saw a therapist who specialized in postpartum mood disorders and worked with a homeopath. She was serious about healing herself, which we all know goes a long way for the health of your entire family, even the littlest of babes. I'm so encouraged to hear mothers taking those kinds of steps. And finally, this is where we need to discuss care providers. Although in Shantae's situation, she did not choose the care provider who caused such trauma, it's important to remember that just like in every profession, there will be some midwives who either do not jive with you or perhaps who really are just not great midwives. I don't want to sell you a false narrative that every single midwife is perfect and beautiful and a unicorn, though I do think that's often the case. No, midwives are people and people can range the spectrum from incredibly helpful to harmfully abusive, as we saw in Shantae's experience. Do remember this and remember that in choosing home birth, you are making an awesome decision, but that's not the only decision. It's the first in a long line of decisions. If ever you feel your care provider is not in it for you, find someone who is. There are plenty of wonderful ones out there who would love to take care of you and take you on. And we need to hashtag make more midwives. Okay, friends, I'm overwhelmed with how incredible Shantae and her story are. Thank you to all of the mothers who are willing to come on the podcast and share your hearts and your stories. What an honor. All right, that's all I have for you for now, and I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Hey, are you finding these stories and interviews helpful? Support the show by heading to myhappyhomebirth.com and purchasing a t-shirt, candles, or even just clicking share on your social media page. 